chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. This is the gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning again. If you're with us for one of the first times, you might think, this is a really nice congregation. We had to tell somebody to go out and check on their car, and then we had everybody stand up so we could kind of cover that person who left their lights on out there. Uh, no, we make a, a standard practice. One of our rhythms is to stand, to be attentive to God's word. Uh, even as the shepherds were attentive to the angel's announcement that night, uh, we want to be attentive to God's word, to take it in, to allow it to shape us and mold us and change us. This morning, we look at a foundational truth that every person can experience Christ's peace as a result of Operation Christmas Child being announced by the angels. I mean, this was the most uh, epic uh, birth announcement that ever came to creation. Not just one angel, but we'll see many angels showing up. God made sure that shepherds out in the fields that night, and now we today could hear about, read about, and perceive the magnitude of this message that God was sending his one and only son to this earth. Now, in contrast to the biblical announcement of Jesus' birth and this birth announcement, we know that birth announcements in our day and age don't always go as expected. Let's just look at a few of these. Now, whether you kick the balloon over the fence and you can't even tell what you've got, or uh, whether they were getting what they weren't hoping for, we can see that in contrast to those failed birth announcements, God did everything necessary to make sure that this earth could see and perceive who it was who was being born that night. God wanted to announce the birth of the Savior in such a way that we could see, hear, perceive, and understand what he was doing. Now we've had, uh, different people have had experiences where you kind of know that you know that you know that Jesus is present, you experience his presence in your life, perhaps think back in your life and those extraordinary circumstances that you really couldn't explain in your life without God's presence, without the reality of God. And those experiences, much like Jesus' birth and the announcements, are ones that we hold on to, much like Luke did, and he communicated. For me, some of those surround the birth of my children. I've shared before, but it's been some time that when Beth was pregnant with Josh about 10 weeks along, she actually had a severe bleed over the course of a day. We went to the hospital, and at one point, I remember a doctor saying, I'm probably 90-something percent sure you've lost your child. For Beth and I, who had experienced the death of our daughter previously, we were just overwhelmed. 
And I remember that night praying, us praying like we had never before. Praying that God would do an amazing work to save our child. And more than any other time in my journey, having a very keen sense of awareness of there being angels in the room. Angels watching over, angels protecting Josh's forming life. And that next morning, there was an altar sound. And there he was. And the same thing happened the next night. Some more bleeding, some more doctors saying, we're worried and concerned that you're losing your child. And another altar sound the next morning. I am sure that God watched over Josh's life with angels protecting him in that room and protecting Beth. And each time uh, I see Josh run a race or come home from school or whatever it is, I believe he's still a walking miracle. And I believe God does things like that to ensure and, and develop and nurture our belief in him. And some of us haven't seen those things directly. Maybe we've heard them from other people. And this is where Luke comes in. Luke's gospel is interesting because Luke's kind of the, the gospel for the second generation of the church. Luke bound, or formed his gospel based on the testimony of eyewitnesses and their stories. Luke had not seen them himself. So for you, if you're somebody who hasn't had one of those experiences where you saw God show up in power, but you've heard other people speak about them, Luke's gospel is for you. Because Luke hadn't seen these things directly himself either, but he had heard eyewitnesses talk about them. In Luke 1, 1 through 3, it says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things which have been accomplished among us, and just as they were delivered to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good also to me to write. In other words, as a doctor, Luke had followed these events, not in the sense of having been an eyewitness of them, but in the sense of investigating them. He is like a traveler who tries to discover the source of a river in order that he may descend it again and follow its course. Or much like Lewis and Clark in the core of discovery, he's like a topographer mapping the way to the west coast so that eventually people, people could travel through it. Luke has investigated the stories thoroughly and accurately so as to discern the facts. And all these things are centered in the person of Jesus. His purpose was to communicate to a person named Theophilus so that he may know the truth concerning the things which have been informed. And Luke wants his readers today to know the certainty of the gospel, not only in their minds, but in our hearts, so that it becomes a part of the fiber of our being. Such stories as I shared about Josh are stories that have become part of the fiber of my being. I know and trust in God's power and ability I know and trust that God can send angels to protect, to guide, to deliver. And such knowledge may be ours as we read Luke's gospel and unpack it and unearth its meaning for us. One entry point into this story of Jesus' birth certainly comes in the announcement of the angels. And our culture is sort of fascinated by angels. In fact, if you go into, you know, the downtown bookstore, I went in uh, on Friday night while out at Cornish Christmas, I noticed in the spirituality section there were more books about angels than there were about God. People in our culture are fascinated 
with angels. And if they are, you could point them to the Bible. If you wanted to inquire more about angels, you could see that in Hebrews 1, it gives an overall understanding of angels to people who were tempted to worship them. In the Old Testament, angels are incredibly active throughout the Old Testament. They witnessed creation, we are told in Job 38.7. They destroyed evildoers, we're told in Genesis 19.1. They have warlike potential, we're told in Genesis 32. They restrained false prophets, we're told in Numbers 22. They mediated God's law to Moses, we're told in Acts 7. They served as God's messengers, we're told, in Judges 6, 11 through 13. They aided his servants, we're told, in 1 Kings 19, 5 through 7. They gave military assistance in 2 Kings 19, 35. And in the New Testament, they also strengthened Jesus in the midst of his temptation in the garden in Luke 22 and were present at his resurrection and his ascension, we're told, in Luke 24. Eventually, angels would guide the apostles in evangelization as well, we're told in Acts 8 and Acts 10. We are told again and again that angels are active, particularly around the most significant events of Jesus' life, his birth and death and resurrection. So during the advent of the Savior, an angel appeared first to the waiting Zechariah, who he and Elizabeth had not been able to have children. While uh, doing the work of a priest in the temple, Zechariah was given an amazing vision to which he initially did not believe. God caused him to be silenced at first, but he would affirm that that child should be named John, the forerunner of the gospel. Later, an angel announced that despite being a virgin, Mary would be found with child because nothing is impossible with God. An angel interrupted Joseph's plans to divorce Mary quietly and let him know that the child, the pregnancy, was the work of God. Again and again, it was angels who announced and ushered in this season of wonder. And so they would let shepherds know that night. An angel, first one, would stand by shepherds and the glory of the Lord would shine around them. It was night. Shepherds doing their job of watching over their flocks at night had the the honor of being the ones to whom the first announcement of Jesus' birth was given. Notice that an angel tells Mary that she will give birth to the Savior. An angel tells Joseph that he, this, while this wasn't his plan, this was God's plan and he should stick with it. And now an angel announces to the shepherds where to go and find the Savior. Recall then Jewish law a testimony or witness or truth was only seen as valid if there were two or three witnesses. God provides three various witnesses of angels to human beings for them to hear and receive and understand that this was of God. So first in the story, we see the announcement of the angel was made to shepherds. Living out in fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, and we are told they were terrified. The angel appeared in such a way that shepherds could not mistake this announcement. It was an announcement made so that they could see and perceive that the Savior had come in such a way that they could go and discern for themselves. It was a sign, particularly for them, a child 
placed in a feeding trough, given witness to the fact that the Son of God had been born on earth and shepherds were invited to come and see. I've shared previously in different Advent seasons that shepherds were classified with prostitutes and tax collectors because they could not keep the ceremonial law, which restricted, among many things, touching dead things. Shepherds also traveled around with loose habits, no fixed residence, and had few scruples about other people's property. I love the fact that when I came in this morning, Bev Hall said, is there going to be anybody in the lobby out in the sanctuary during the service? I just want to make sure that nobody steals the seized candy. (laughs) Shepherds had a way of making other people's things their own. Things would grow legs. So in the midst of this stereotype, people would question or wonder why God would choose people such as them. But despite this stereotype, these shepherds may have already been devout and ready to hear the good news. It's significant then that God chose to announce his son's birth to real shepherds out in the fields rather than to the religious and civil leaders who were supposed to be his people's spiritual shepherds longing for the Messiah. You see, God continues to reveal his son, but not to those who we might expect Luke records the birth announcement to the shepherds. And these were probably the shepherds who supplied the lambs for the temple sacrifices that were performed for the forgiveness of the sins of the people. And now these shepherds are invited to come and greet the Lamb of God who was sent to take away the sins of the people. To these shepherds watching over their sheep at night in the midst of their duty and responsibility to care for their people, God would announce his Savior's birth. Notice it didn't come in Caesar's palace nor in the temple. Rather, it came to people in the midst of their ordinary life and everyday circumstances. Why? Probably to tie the fact that Jesus would be fulfilling the promises of David to have a, a, somebody on the throne for all time, to tie Jesus in with David, the shepherd king, but also to show that shepherds and outcasts and the unlikely of society were on Luke's guest list in the kingdom of God. If you don't think you've been invited, you can look at this story and see shepherds were invited People that were outcasts in Jesus' day. And if shepherds are invited, that means you're invited too. The greatest event in history had just happened. The Messiah had been born. But if an announcement had had not been made, no one would know about it. So an angel is sent to announce the good news of the Savior's birth to plain and ordinary people. The response is understandable. I believe that you would be fearful also. But I love the fact that in the Greek it says that that, kai ephebon phobon megan. In other words, they had an exceedingly great fear. They were terribly afraid. Probably first because of the angel, but then secondly, probably because of wondering whether they would be worthy to be in the presence of this one who was sent. You would be afraid too. A single angel appears, much like to Zechariah in the temple, announcing that a Savior would be born, and we can easily feel unlikely or unworthy. As Betty reminded us in our prayer of confession this morning, we are. We are unlikely and we are unworthy. 
The only reason we become worthy is because God invites us and because of who Jesus is makes us worthy of being in the presence of God. And to outcasts, those who couldn't even come into the temple, Jesus says you are invited in the way this announcement comes. As a result of the announcement, we can now see that though fearful and afraid, though life can feel out of control and disoriented, we can find our place at the Savior's birth. We can find our place around the throne room of God. Notice, too, that the announcement that the angels made to the shepherds wasn't just a verbal announcement. In other times, God speaks uh, by his word, speaking his word directly, but here there was an appearance to the shepherds. Notice there's an announcement then, but an announcement with an appearance. It's in, a, in other words, they're wanting the shepherds to picture what's happening here. My first two children were born under uh, challenging circumstances, so that by the time Levi was born, and we actually were able to bring him home within a day, I remember thinking, wait, this is how this is supposed to normally work out? And because there weren't any kind of, you know, surrounding difficulties and circumstances, I remember just taking more pictures at Levi's birth than, than any of my three kids. There's pictures of Levi just as he's coming out. There's pictures of him still with blood all over him. There's pictures uh, charting that whole experience. And similarly, Luke wants us to picture this. Not just hear about Jesus' birth, but picture people being involved. Shepherds who otherwise wouldn't be invited, included in the story. An announcement made to them, but also an appearance to support that announcement. We are told that the glory of the Lord shone around them. In other words, uh, better than any fireworks display on the 4th of July, better than any other experience in the night sky, God showed up. Not only through one angel, likely Gabriel, but eventually through a whole army of angels to support that experience. What a birth announcement. The shepherds are terrified, but we are told that their terror turned to joy as they heard the good news behind this story and experience. We are told that rather than having come in judgment, the angels were coming with great good news. Don't be afraid, they say. Look, I've got good news for you, news which will make everybody happy. Today, a Savior has been born for you, the Messiah, the Lord. That introductory sentence, be not afraid, is one of the most profound three words in Scripture. It's repeated through many different experiences. When God showed up to Moses in the burning bush to inaugurate the Exodus, his words to him were, do not be afraid. Many times, through many experiences, when God shows up, the natural human response is fear. But again and again, we hear God's word to Zechariah, to Mary, and now to poor shepherds. Do not be afraid. There's so much fear and uncertainty and anxiety in our culture today and in our world. I wonder, at one point of application, where do you need to hear these words anew and afresh? My fears today are different than my fears when my kids were born or in other seasons of life, but I have them. 
I wonder how my kids will turn out. I worry and get concerned about the future of the Big C Church in the United States and around the world. I wonder at various times uh, how my health will stand up over the years. Like you, there can be many things that can cause me to be afraid. That's why we need to hear anew and afresh. Don't be afraid. There's good news. It's meant to bring you great joy. Joy that will last. Joy that becomes a story that is worth telling to other people. Great joy that's not just a momentary bubbling up of excitement, but ongoing good news that should lead to an internal peace. Tim Keller in his book, Hidden Christmas, says, here is a way we should respond to the message of Christmas. If we accept it as good tidings, it should end fear. We should not fear. Why? The verse before says that the shepherds were terrified. At first, again, that does not strike us as unusual. We assume that anyone who sees something that extraordinary would be afraid. Something more than that is going on, though. There's anxiety and fear when they got near God, and we each can have anxiety or fear when we come into the presence of God. All that fear goes back to the original fear of Genesis 3. When humanity turned away from a loving Savior who they were in perfect relationship with. Fear was born that day when Adam and Eve ate of the apple. Fear comes when we try to take things into our own hands. Fear and failure because when we try to lead our own lives, we again and again find that it doesn't work out very well. We also have fear not only of our own inability but we have fear related to our relationships. We fear rejection and failure. But if you are completely filled with God's love, if you know that you are a son and daughter of the living God, when you know that you were created in the image of God and God loved you so much and so committed to relationship with you that he sent Christ to die for you, we don't need to care or fear what other people think. We can fear the future and circumstances. But if you know God perfectly and that he is good and he is in control, you don't have to be in control. You can trust he who is. When God's glory appeared, it always accentuates or intensifies fundamental fearfulness because we are, by nature, alienated from God. But the angel's astounding message is you don't have to be afraid anymore if you look at what I am showing you. If you get to know the one I'm announcing to you, you don't have to fear. Instead of fearing, look. Look at this one who came. Look at this one who loves you enough to come in the humble form of a baby. Look at the one who didn't just send you a Christmas card from afar with a nice message attached. Look at one who actually came into the flesh, who overcame the greatest distance so that you could come home to him and to a relationship with God. The announcement wasn't just made to shepherds, and it wasn't just an announcement. The announcement of the angel included a specific message. I've got good news of great joy that will be for all people. It's not just good news disassociated from humanity. It's good news that is meant to spark and nurture joy within us, and it is for all people, 
All those who welcome Jesus' message. All those who God has chosen to be in relationship with. All those who are willing to open their hearts and recognize their need for a Savior. The announcement is that a Savior has been born to you. This wasn't just someone who would bring a temporary political victory. This wasn't something who would just, someone who would just bring passing feelings of warmth and goodness. This is one who can be your Savior and is your Savior both now and to, to eternity. He brings a sign that they, you will find a baby wrapped in clothes in a manger That was a sign for shepherds to see, but I truly believe that God reveals himself to who he wants, when he wants, how he wants, so that those he wants to be in relationships with can see and perceive and ponder the reality and depth of God's love for you. He brings signs, signs to people who are struggling, signs to people who are hoping, ways of revealing and showing himself so that we can truly see that our Savior has come into this world. To get the greatest, best understanding of this famous announcement, we should remind ourselves what peace usually means in the Bible. It is not just a general peacefulness with prosperity, a trouble-free life. Peace means the end of enmity and warfare, but also a proactive well-being. Shalom in the Hebrew is a proactive relational peace, a peace that goes not just with the absence of trouble or conflict, but somebody who is a person of peace, continues to live at peace in the midst of our frayed and disillusioned culture. But to receive that peace, it means moving out of a self-centered life, a life where we think we can run the show ourselves. Because too often when we live a self-centered life, what happens we bump into other people who are living a self-centered life and it doesn't work very well, does it? But peace with God leads to peace with others. When we know who we are in Him and just how loved we are, we don't have to fear what other people think. We don't have to fear when other people don't receive us. We don't have to fear when we face rejection and uncertainty. We can actually rest. Rest that Operation Christmas Child was completed successfully by God, that it was announced by the angels, but it was also successfully carried out and shepherds were able to share that good news. And friends, this was a sudden experience. An angel appeared, but we are told suddenly a whole chorus of angels appeared. It's like Karen Davis initially singing a song, but then our whole choir joining in. And then the whole congregation joining in. Swelling with the sound, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill to men. But then, friends, it's meant to go beyond our sanctuary, isn't it? It's meant to be out among the hills and valleys of the foothills of Nevada County. A sound that swells through our sharing and our believing. A sound that swells as we invite people to come on Christmas Eve. And in the darkness of that night, we affirm our Savior's birth. As Tim Keller says, Christmas means that through the grace of God and the incarnation, peace with God is available. And if you make peace with God, then you can go out and make peace with everybody else. And the more people who embrace the gospel and do that, the better the world is. Christmas, therefore, means the increase of peace, both with God and between people. 
across the face of the world. The implications of this announcement of the angels for us then is this. The announcement comes into our ordinary everyday life. We need to be looking for signs, evidences of God's grace each and every day. The second is that we do not need to be afraid. Please say this with me. I do not need to be afraid. Because Jesus has come and he has brought peace. Paul would tell us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in him. I know I need that transcendent peace, and I'm sure you do too. Friends, we've been given good news, not just good news, but good news of great joy that is worth sharing. Our Savior has been born in Bethlehem, and that is meant to make all things different and new. Love came down to you in a form and a way that you could see and perceive. And if you welcome this child who grew up to be a man and sacrificed himself on the cross in his death for you and eventually ascended to heaven, you will experience the kind of peace you've been looking for and longing for. So may that peace be yours this season. Amen? Amen. Amen.